Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. The Action Network Podcast. I'm just about that action, boss. Ready? All right, here we go. From the 10, throwing end zone. Spectacular catch. They're saying it's a catch. Touchdown. You see, most gamblers, when they go to gamble, they go to win. Oh, my God. That's incredible. Big bank, small bank, I like to make money. All right. That is the ultimate kibosh. You want to bet? <laughs> Welcome to the Action Network Podcast, presented by BetMGM. I am your host, Brandon Anderson, filling in today as host for Brandon Glasheen. He missed his one pick he gave out this season, so he's out of here. Nah, he's just out looking for a Patriots new quarterback. Uh, either way, you're stuck with me hosting today with my picks, and as usual, uh, we've got a couple guests here. Anthony DeBundo is back, fresh off a 3-0 and week, and Grant Niefer of Scores and Odds is back. 3-0 the last time Grant was on as well. No pressure for me with these undefeated guys coming on here. Getting into our week 13 NFL best bets. We went 5-5 five and five last week in week 12. We would have been over 500. No thanks to Glasheen for the missing pick. But we are now on seven straight weeks, 500 or better. All in with lookaheads, 61 and 57 on the season. So let's jump into the new week. DeBundo 3-0 last week, so we're letting him lead off the show. The big game on the slate, the best team in football, and the Eagles in the same game? Unbelievable. 49ers-Eagles, what do you got? Yeah, you know, I've thought a lot about this game and kind of how to go into the fact that the Eagles are not getting any market respect, right? And if you look at our Action Network luck rankings, they're they're the second luckiest team in the NFL, if you look at the yardage differential, they've been outgained by 100-plus yards. If you listen to last week's show, then you know I came on and gave a pretty passionate rant about how I felt that the Eagles were overvalued and Buffalo uh, was going to give them a lot of problems. I still think all of those things about the Eagles, my opinion of them has not changed in the last week since we did this show just before Thanksgiving. And San Francisco is operating at an even higher level than Buffalo right now. San Francisco comes into this game on the extra rest with the 10 days off because they played on Thanksgiving. They had a very routine win. You look at Philadelphia, their defense was on the field for 95 plays against Buffalo and Josh Allen in the bad weather. They went to overtime, very physical game, uh, really an all-in spot for them. Now they have to, on a normal rest week, they're not traveling, but with the injuries that have piled up for this defense, Zach Cunningham is out, Fletcher Cox is banged up. Uh, they, you know, The corners have still not been playing well. 
I am targeting San Francisco on the team total over 24 and a half as opposed to laying the two and a half three here because I do think the Eagles can have some success offensively uh, throwing the ball down the field against these corners. I think you can find success there uh, even though this Eagles offense has not been at its peak this season. They've still been a pretty efficient offense and, and just the power of having those first and nines is so so critical for their offense. But I think when you look at the other side of this matchup, the Eagles secondary continues to be overvalued by the market. I've been playing a lot of team totals against them and they've played these good offenses. And it's as simple as this. And Brock Purdy, Trent Williams, Debo Samuel, when this team is healthy, they pretty much score 27 a game. This is the finest form we've ever seen from the Kyle Shanahan offense. They don't really uh, have a, a clear weakness. You know, the biggest thing you could say is, okay, the O-line doesn't look as great on paper this year and some of their underlying metrics are a little concerning. But then you've got Brock Purdy, who's averaging over seven yards per an attempt this year when under pressure. So even when teams have gotten close to Purdy, they have not uh, really slowed down this offense at all. So they've scored 27 or more in just about every game that they've been healthy. Most of the time it's north of 30. We're getting a 24 and a half here. I think it's just a little bit too low. I think no matter whether it's close or not, San Francisco is going to score and it's going to be up to Philly whether or not they can keep up. Uh, and, and given you know just how exhausted this defense could be, I think it's going to be very hard for them to match up with the Niners. So give me the San Francisco team total over 24 and a half is my best bet of this week and, and the, the bet for the classic that I'm hoping we get on Sunday afternoon. All right. Well, I am actually on this Niners game as well. So I'm going to jump in with my first pick here. A huge game, obviously, uh, from Aaron Schatz. The chances of the one seed here, if Philadelphia wins, they're at 85% to win the one seed. The Niners dropped to 4%. If the Niners win, they go to 49% one seed. The Eagles drop to 29%. So it's a huge leverage game. If you're thinking about futures, there's a huge spot here as well because obviously you want that one seed, the bye week, the home game, hopefully in the NFC Championship as it lines up. And I'm really in lockstep with what you said to Bundo, except I'm just going to go ahead and take the points here with the Niners. I'll, I'll lay the two and a half, hopefully if you can get it, three if necessary. And I just think this is a Niners team that not only is better than the Eagles, but I love this matchup for San Francisco too. So a couple of points we said with the Eagles being a bit overvalued. They're number two in our luck rankings right now. They're seven and one in one score games. Five of those games have come against teams 500 or worse. So if you keep playing teams that are 500 or worse, I know the popular story right now is winning DNA and winning culture and we get the job done. Well, yeah, it's great that you get the job done, but you shouldn't be playing one score games against teams 500 and worse like that. That tells us more than winning the coin flip game at the end. Four straight games, the Eagles have been outgained by at least 98 yards. They won them all anyway. They trailed a halftime in all four. They won them all anyway. So maybe that's just setting up myself here for failure. But to me, you guys know I'm on trends and all that kind of stuff. This is not a trend spot for me. This is just surely a matchup read. Uh, Debunda, you talked about all the offensive advantages here. Shanahan, I think, unlocks the middle of the field offensively as well as pretty much any system in football. That's where the Eagles are specifically built on purpose to be weak. Like you can't do everything defensively. They purposefully kind of gave up on building linebackers out to invest elsewhere into the team. And now, like you said, Zach Cunningham may not play anyways. So I think we see a lot of 21 personnel, 22 personnel, get multiple backs on the field, attack the linebackers. Eagles are dead last DVOA against tight end. I think George Kittle has a monster game here. Again, attack the middle of the field. Niners are number one offensively for the season DVOA, but they're also number one early downs. 
The Eagles defense is 22nd on early downs. So I think that sets up for a really rough script for the Eagles here where the Niners just keep getting second and five, second and four, just, you know, just keep moving the chains, controlling the clock, honestly doing the thing that we expect the Eagles to do from what we saw a lot of last year. I just think that the that's the Niners right now. And I'm not so worried about the other side of the ball. Again, middle of the field, the Eagles want to run the ball, do their thing. Fred Warner, Dre Greenlaw, the Niners have built themselves to stop the middle of the field. Like, they're the team that you'd want to build to stop the Niners' offensive attack. And I think that is built well to stop what the Eagles do well. Lane Johnson, we don't know necessarily how good he'll be able to go. He's huge on the offensive line. And honestly, I think because the Eagles are so good this year and because they are so good last year, it's easy to just equate them as the same team and that they're doing the same stuff. But the rushing attack that we're counting on to, to push the Niners here just hasn't been as strong this year for Philly as, as it was before. And even worse, if Lane Johnson's not necessarily at top form. So I think this is the one the Niners waited for all season. They never really had a chance in the playoffs last year with all the QB injuries. I, of course, want the two and a half. You can get it. I don't mind the three. I don't think the Niners just win this. I honestly think they expose the Eagles a little bit here. And I will probably play some alts. I will be on the Niners big. I will take the Niners minus two and a half. So that's the big game this week. I am excited for it. And from the Niners game, we're going to go to a much less exciting game, but a good way to win some money on the Titans. Grant Niefer, 3-0 off your last appearance here. I know you rock the props. you got a prop on the Titans this week. Yep, yep. I'm going with Will Levis, under 217.5 passing yards. Number's just a little bit too high. And I mean, I've been on his under pretty much since week one when everyone's like, oh, this could be the next great QB we see in the league. And it, it's been very clear the last three weeks that he's not that guy yet. I mean, he, he reminds me a lot of Josh Allen, like not real refined, needs a little bit of time, could be good. I'm not saying he's not going to be a good QB in the future, but this is not the spot for one. He's not that good for two. And even if he was good, that O-line really is not great. He's being hit at a pretty heavy rate. They rely heavily on the run. There's a spot where they're probably going to do that again. We saw it last week with Carolina. They wanted to rely heavily on the run with Derrick Henry going up against a bad run defense and a much better pass defense. Well, this week, Colts, 24th in DVOA, run D, 10th in pass D. The spread is sitting at one and a half. And Derrick Henry, the amount of carries he gets is substantially higher in games where they're close or they win. So decent chance that they end up winning this. Derrick Henry tends to get better and more volume as the season goes on every single year. We still don't exactly know why, but D. Hember is a thing. So Henry going to be relied on very heavily in this spot. Levis has hit the under in each of the last three games. Again, everything in the game script points towards this. And the fact that this number is over 200 when he hasn't had over 200 since the first two weeks he played. It just doesn't really make sense to me. And those first two weeks, like, you go back and you actually watch the film. He should not have had those numbers. It was just a weird fluke. Throwing a lot at the end of the Pittsburgh game, a few lucky throws in the Atlanta game, it missed pass interference on Hopkins. So it just, people going off of the first two games really shouldn't be. The last three games is what he is. And this offense is not one that is meant for a QB to succeed anyways. So I'm rolling with his under. Yeah, I think that makes a lot of sense too. You know, the Colts, Gus Bradley, I've given a lot of Gus Bradley slander over the years, but the one thing that his defense is built for 
is take away the deep ball. And that's like the one thing that Levis has been successful at is dialing up the big shot down the field. So I believe too, I think this is Grover, uh, Grover Stewart's last week suspended. So that also hurts the Colts run and run defense sets up, like you said, more Derrick Henry, hopefully a little less Will Levis. So I like that under. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. The Action Network podcast is presented by BetMGM. Use bonus code ACTION when signing up to get up to $1,500 paid back in bonus bets if your first bet loses. For new users in Arizona, Colorado, Illinois, Indiana, Iowa, Kentucky, Louisiana, Maryland, Massachusetts, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, West Virginia, and Wyoming. Terms and conditions apply. Must be 21 or older. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. DeBundo, you're up for your second pick. Yeah, Colts corner is also not great, but the Titans receivers might be worse. So uh, tough, tough <laughs> spot for Tennessee there offensively in the air. Uh, I'm going to go with the Los Angeles Rams minus three and a half. Are the Rams turning a corner? Kyron Williams is back. He's been the best running back in the NFL this year by success rate. He's really unlocked this offense. And I know what the DVOA numbers say. I know what the EPA numbers say about this Browns defense. But if Miles Garrett's not 100%, I think this defense starts to look a whole lot different and we saw that in the second half against Denver yesterday, uh, last week, where you know Garrett said he felt a pop in his shoulder. He didn't practice on Wednesday. He's going to try to play through the pain. But if he's 50%, 60%, not 100% effective, that dramatically changes how effective this defense is going to be. And I, I think against a top pocket passer like Stafford, who's got his full complement of weapons healthy, it is a nightmare, nightmare matchup. And look, I had to pull up the injury report for the Browns. It is stunningly long. Of how many people they have, uh, you know, on the list right now. Uh, Amari Cooper didn't practice Wednesday. Garrett, of course, DNP, Goodwin, Kareem Hunt, David and Joku all did not practice. They've got a bunch of offensive line question marks. Uh, their secondary, Denzel Ward, did not practice again after he missed last week, and he was a pretty big loss for them in the game against Denver. Like we are basing this defense off of past performance. I think going forward, given how banged up they are and given how tough of a spot this is, they may not live up to that. And we may get some Joe Flacco offense here. Look, <laughs> I know that Dorian Thompson Robinson is not great, but you compare him to you know, Joe Flacco off the street, I'm not sure it's an upgrade. I don't know. We, there's a lot of uncertainty, but the Joe Flacco we saw last season did not look like somebody who was going to uh, be playing in the NFL and starting in a, in a playoff race. So I think the Rams here are quickly improving. I think the Browns are overvalued because of their defense, which got exposed a little bit last week and I think could get exposed going forward as these injuries continue to mount. Uh, and so I like the Rams minus three and a half and think they are certainly live to make playoffs uh, in this NFC, which has all of a sudden become wide open with Seattle and Minnesota starting to falter in those wildcard spots. Yeah, the Rams are a lot of fun. Kyron Williams being back and getting that whole team healthy uh, Joe Flacco, I looked up some of the numbers because I was going to grill you about who you liked at quarterback. Joe Flacco, last four seasons, 3-14 and 14 straight up in the NFL. So bad that the Jets didn't even want him back, and we see how that's going right now. I looked at RBSDM to see some of the advanced metrics, 
Over the last four four years, quarterbacks with 400 passing attempts, Flacco ranks 50th out of 57 in EPA plus CPOE. So comparatively, quarterbacks that Flacco has been worse than over the last four years, Tyler Huntley, Desmond Ritter, Carson Wentz, Nick Foles. Those are guys that rank ahead of Joe Flacco, who I believe now is 38 and walking out of retirement into maybe starting in this game. Debundo, if you had to pick for your bet, rank the quarterbacks, P.J. Walker, Joe Flacco, DTR. Who do you want for your bet here? I think because of the Browns O-line injuries, I want Flacco because he's walking into a new system. He doesn't know, uh, you know, it's 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 all new, right? Like whereas DTR and PJ have been with this team, they can run a little bit. There is no movement for Joe Flacco in that pocket. Like he's just going to be a sitting duck. Uh, and the Rams aren't some dominant pass rush, but they can get pressure uh, with given just how many injuries there are for Cleveland. So I think that uh, you know Stafford, you know when he started this year, they've still been a top half pass offense. And look, I know the Browns are the number one defense in the NFL. They have certainly not played a murderer's row of schedules, and, and that's just the, any defense in the NFL. Show me, like, this defense is elite, and I'll just tell you, well, who have they played? And that's kind of the case for Cleveland. Like, Baltimore moved the ball on them uh, in, in you know, the, both meetings uh, against this team, and, and so you can move the ball. Uh, even Indy, you know, moved the ball on this team. So uh, modern defense without Garrett wrecking games is just not the same. So I, I, I think if I'm ranking them, I'll take Flacco 1, uh, who I want to see. And then I'll say DTR two and PJ Walker three. I don't wow. want PJ. Debondo fears PJ Walker. I like it. I like it. It shows you what the options are when it's those three. All right. My second pick, I'm going to go with a prop here. Give me Najee Harris over 45 and a half rushing yards against the Cardinals. I continue to think Pittsburgh is a, is a good team. Early in the season, they were not a good team. They were winning games they shouldn't have, but I think – we can forget that you can grow. You can become a better team. Last five games, the Steelers are top five in DVOA. They're top eight offense and defense. They're top three rushing offense and defense. So running the ball offensively once they got Broderick Jones in the line. Uh, and obviously, too, Arizona's defense is terrible. They've been so bad all year long, even early in the year when Arizona was moving the ball offensively. The defense was still awful. Bottom three against the run, bottom three against the pass. Matt Canada is gone. I think this could be maybe the breakout game for the Steelers. Arizona has allowed the second most fantasy points to opposing running backs. If you look at just the lead back in games against Arizona this year, that lead back averages 21 carries for 97 yards. Not necessarily terribly efficient. They're just getting a lot of carries because of their head, right? They're just running the clock out on the Cardinals. Hey, not efficient, but getting a lot of carries. Najee Harris, is that your name I heard, buddy? Over 45 and a half for the lead back against Cardinals, all but one game. And the only one that missed was 20 carries for 44 yards. They missed by two yards. Najee, uh, like it or not, is the lead back here. I think it should be Jalen Warren too, but Najee Harris has more carries than Warren every single game this season, including last week, including post-Canada. Even uh, the snap count basically didn't really change there. So I like Najee here to get the yards in part because this is really a play on, I wanted to back the Steelers to get the win here. I liked it at minus three early in the week, and then it rose up to minus five and a half, minus six. It's a little high. I think this is a good proxy for Steelers win. Uh, In the four Steelers losses, Najee Harris averages under 10 carries a game, 37 yards a game. He's under this line in three of the four. In wins, 
he averages 15 carries for 64 yards. He's the guy that they just give the ball to to run the clock out. This is what the Steelers still do. He's over this line in five of seven wins. And the two unders was 43 and 37 against uh, Baltimore and Cleveland. Tough defenses anyway, which Arizona is not. So I don't mind uh, if you want to add Pittsburgh money line to this one. You can kind of juice the number a little bit since that's basically the angle anyway. But give me Najee Harris over 45 and a half rushing yards for this one. All right, Grant, we had just talked about the Rams as an interesting NFC sleeper wildcard candidate. I think the Packers are another interesting sleeper candidate, and you're going to the Packers game Sunday night for your second pick. Yeah, I mean, at this point, can we just blindly bet primetime unders? I, I'm <laughs> fairly certain I can. I, at this point, I actually am. But two of the main things that I've pretty much been blindly betting for most of the season are primetime unders and Chiefs unders. And look, we got both of them at the same time. Um, yeah, primetime unders have been just fantastic this season, hitting about 75% clip. And it's been even better, I think, on Sunday and Monday night unders um, this season. The Chiefs, they are, they are not the same team they have been in the past. They are not even remotely close. They're scoring down drastically this year, just averaging 23.3 points per game. Their defense has been incredible this season, averaging just 16.5 points allowed per game. They're one of the best defenses in the league. Green Bay, on the other side, mediocre offense and a good defense only allowing 20.4 points per game. I get that the total is kind of low at 42 and a half, but I still don't think it's low enough, especially for a primetime game. I'm not sure it would be low enough for a normal game. I'm betting the trend here. I am betting the trend that primetime games go under and that Kansas City, their offense, way overvalued. Their defense, way undervalued. The public always assumes that Patrick Mahomes is going to put up a bunch of points that's not the case anymore. Last week was the first time they scored in the second half, I think, in the last four weeks. They're not the same team. They may get it right at some point, but this defense is for real, and this offense is just middle of the pack. Yeah, Chiefs under is 8-3 now on the season. The second half under, a perfect 11-0. You mentioned the primetime unders. Heading into Thursday night as we record this, primetime unders 29-9 on the season, 76% hit rate. So those continue to cash for us. DeBundo, a resident cheesehead, a resident Packers backer. You're on this game too. I am, and uh, I love Jordan Love. That's my uh, go-to line nowadays. And look, uh, if you remember back in week eight when I bet the Green Bay Packers, I said, look, I haven't really seen much of the Packers this year. I think the market's a little bit short on them. Uh, and I was wrong. I mean, they got destroyed by Minnesota and were never really in that game. But since then... Jordan Love and this offense have really sorted some things out, and they've been playing at an elite level. Jordan Love, since week eight, top five in EPA plus CPOE composite, adjusted EPA per play. And the CPOE thing is especially interesting to me just because of what his scouting report was. And it was a a guy who wasn't particularly accurate in the pocket and just had a big arm, uh, and his mechanics were pretty mediocre. And if you watched him early in the season, you saw some of those leaky mechanics and bad habits. But I think he's played three of his four best games of his life in the last month. And I think that's a real progression. I think the market is still catching up to how improved Green Bay is. And also the injury report is really interesting to watch here. They didn't have Jair Alexander, Devondre Campbell, Rudy Ford on Thanksgiving uh, against Detroit. Their defense still held up, but 
based on the projections here, I mean, Jair was limited on Wednesday and Thursday. Devondre Campbell both limited, uh, as was Rudy Ford and A.J. Dillon, Kenny Clark as well. So all of these guys who hadn't really played, Dillon did play on Thanksgiving, all now limited in practice. So they're trending toward potentially coming back here. Uh, full participant for Darnell Savage as well this week. So I, I do think this Green Bay defense is getting healthier. They're an above-average pass coverage unit. The Chiefs can absolutely have success running the ball. That's the weakness of the Green Bay defense. But look, I'm catching six here. If the Chiefs want to take the ball out of Pat Mahomes' hands and run the ball and grind out a win, that's fine with me. I will feel very good about my plus six. And I understand that you know Love has kind of picked on two really bad defenses playing the Chargers and the Lions back-to-back. But uh, I think there's real improvement in his play, and it's not just the fact they played some bad defenses. He made some throws in those last couple games that he was just not making early in the season. So I think the market's still catching up to Green Bay. Like them plus six. And yeah, Grant, uh, to your point about the unders, Andy Reid, Chiefs, second half unders this year, 11 and oh. I've just been blind betting them for about a month now, and it's uh, it's a fun time. We had to sweat for the first time in a while last week, and <laughs> they got a big holding penalty and had to kick a field goal. So uh, yeah, Chiefs second half unders continue to be money printers. I think Green Bay stays in this game. And the Packers plus six. Bump, ba dum ba dum bump, bump, go, pack, go. <laughs> Get a little music to finish that one off. Debundo, how many Chief, how many Packers bets do you need to cash on this podcast before we get you to wear an actual cheese hat on a podcast here? Uh, if they win this weekend, I will order one. All right. I like if it. If they cover right. this weekend, I will order a cheese head. Uh, I may only have one or two more spots. And looking at the schedule, I'm uh, not sure how much I'm going to be backing the Packers because the market may quickly catch up to them. Uh, but they've got the Giants, the Bucks, the Panthers at Minnesota, home Green Bay to end this, or home Chicago to end the season. So some really bad teams coming in. So maybe, I mean, if, they, if they're able to steal this game, uh, I think they'd be also in that race. And I would much rather see Green Bay or LA in those playoff spots over Seattle and Minnesota, given the situations for both those teams right now. As as yeah, a, just definitely. a fan, of, as a fan of football, yeah. As as a as a somebody that has to watch the games, certainly seeing Green Bay and LA are a lot more interesting there. Even as a Vikings fan, I can admit that right now, even before this game, even with the Packers' obvious underdogs here, Green Bay at FTN is better than fifty percent to make the playoffs. That's that's where we've gotten to in the NFL, even though Green Bay is still sub 500 for the season. Speaking of sub 500, for my last pick, I'm going away sub 500. I'm going to go to Carolina, and I am going to play another prop here. Give me Adam Thielen over five and a half receptions. My guy, Adam Thielen from Mankato, Minnesota, coming off his worst game of the season. One catch last week, two yards, three targets. Hopefully we are not doing the one, two, three dance again this week. Before last week, Thielen had five catches in nine straight games. So I think that that bad game is just basically buying us a little bit too low of a line here. Five and a half receptions. He's basically in five every game. So we just need one above what's been his floor until last week. And he's a receptions monster. He's the guy getting all the catches here. Tampa Bay has allowed the most yards to opposing receivers in the NFL. They're near top of the league in most receptions allowed. Top five most to slot receivers, where obviously Thielen takes a lot of the snaps. Opposing wide receiver one against Tampa Bay, averaging about seven catches a game for 95 yards. So they're over this receptions line, eight of 11 games, and five times we got a a nine catches or more performance. Here's some of the lines. 
Justin Jefferson, 9 for 150. DJ Moore, 6 for 104. AJ Brown, 9, 131. Amon St. Brown, 12 catches, 124 yards. Michael Pittman last week, 10 for 107. So Thielen early in the year was racking up these double-digit catches games. I don't know if those are still there. I don't necessarily know what's going to look like. Obviously, the Panthers fired half the staff this week, so the offense will look a little different here. But I like this spot for Carolina. I strongly consider just taking the five and a half against Tampa here. I probably would have taken it if we still had six or higher. Might get there yet. By the way, Carolina is 1,000 to one to win the division. They're four games back and they play the division the next three weeks in a row. I'm just saying, 1,000 to one is a pretty long number. I'll stick with Thielen. I put him at about seven catches, clear over the five and a half here. And we played the Thielen Escalator a few times in my Every Game article. I'll do that again to sprinkle eight catches plus 330. Ten catches is plus 1025. But for the pod, the official bet, Adam Thielen over five and a half catches. And Grant, you're on this game and on the Panthers with another over. We got two Panthers overs to wrap up our picks this week. Yeah, no, betting a Panthers over outside of Thielen is never really a fun one. This is kind of a fun one here. Miles Sanders over 26 and a half rushing yards. So we've seen Sanders roll just kind of go all over the place this season. Like at this point, it's Hubbard's backfield, but it's not fully Hubbard's backfield. Last two weeks, Sanders 15 rush attempts, 11 rush attempts, 27 snaps in each one. He was close to, he's close to a 50 50 split in terms of rushing attempts, still leaning more towards Hubbard for actual snap rate especially last week, but the week before they were close to 50-50. Doesn't really seem like any reason why Hubbard is the guy taking over. Like, Panthers are not good. They're not going anywhere. They're not getting getting their pick this year. There's no point in tanking. There's no point in winning. It's just developing young, hoping for the best with that situation, and maybe hoping the Bears don't get the first overall pick, and this is the that was the worst trade of all time. But Sanders, his contract, has the next three years, like they just signed him this offseason. No way out of it, really. I mean, the massive amount of dead cap if they do anything before the end of next year. Um, after that, there is an out. So there's no reason why they wouldn't be giving him carries. He's had 28 and 50 yards rushing the last two weeks. Again, 11 and 15 rushing attempts. If we're expecting 10 rushing attempts for him at this line, it's an easy, easy over. If we're even expecting seven, still not really a bad line. Like, I'm expecting him to get a decent workload. I'm expecting them to continue to use him more, have this be about a 50-50 split backfield in terms of carries. Again, maybe more snaps for Hubbard, maybe more use of him in the receiving game. But in the running game, Sanders is going to be used way more than this line suggests. I'm rolling with the over. I do have one question. Uh for Brandon about your prop. Have you yeah. been seeing these uncorrelated parlays this year? Like the, you take, like if you have a boomer bus receiver, you take the under receptions, but the over yards and you get like a crazy payout for like a same game parlay. I'm intrigued oh. if you like, like an Adam Thielen over receptions under yards, but under yards. I think it's an interesting way to play this. If they're going to try to turn this offense, like we don't know what it looks like. Thielen has no explosiveness. Like you're banking on him just getting like seven or eight catches for like 35 yards. I mean, it could happen. Um, so that's one way to play that maybe that I'm going to look into now because I'm inspired by the handicap. Also, the entire uh, 
defensive unit for the Bucks is on the injury report. So yeah. that's not not a great look for Tampa this week after they got carved open by Minshew and Taylor last week. Yeah, I like that idea. The the uh, it, it's good to play basically the uncorrelated picks. What you're saying is that uh, it used to be you could kind of say, okay, well if we're getting the the over on receptions, let's put the over on yards and you get a little more juice number than you should. And books have obviously corrected for that. Now with a lot of algorithms too, you're, you're going to sacrifice some of your number. But the flip side of that is if you put the ones that are kind of opposed to each other, if you, if you get eight catches, then you should be going over your yardage. But Thielen's eight catches are going to be so far on like a bunch of wide receiver screens and, and five-yard button hooks and all that kind of stuff. I don't mind it. I would have to look at the number. I will say this. Certainly, there, there's a reason I chose receptions, not yards. Even though yardage is what Tampa has allowed the most, Thielen is a catches guy, not a yards guy. So, uh, yeah, I'm not sure what the number is that you'd want to play, but I think that's a nice look as well. So that will wrap it up for Best Bets NFL Week 13. But, of course, before we let you go here, got to get to the Week 14 look ahead. Can't believe Week 14 already. Like, I was going to do another Just Win Baby teaser here. Steelers minus six and a half at home against the Patriots. Ravens minus seven and a half at home on the bye against the Rams. Easy, but for the content, give me the Cowboys. Minus two and a half Sunday night at home against the Eagles. I'm picking against the Eagles twice on the same podcast. This matchup is a game that last year I waited for all season. Having seen the first matchup, I wanted the rematch in Dallas. We got it, but not with healthy quarterbacks. Right now, Dak Prescott is healthy, and he is playing better quarterback than anyone in the NFL. I have an article up at Action Network right now talking about his crazy stats. 320 yards a game, three and a half touchdowns since the bye week, passing over expectation way up. And I think he's a good bet for MVP, for passing yards and touchdowns leader. You get the triple crown, maybe. He is playing phenomenal ball. They're passing a lot. CeeDee Lamb has been great. And the Eagles secondary isn't good. Like the passing defense is there for the taking. Dallas probably should have taken them the last time in Philly, but caught every terrible break down the stretch. Dak steps out by like an inch or two down the stretch. All the other things. Dallas defense is way better than Philly's defense right now. And I think the offense is maybe better than Philly's too. The way things are trending. Dallas is trending up. Philly is trending down. Dallas obviously will have played by the time you listen to this. We're recording Thursday. They play Thursday night. But again, if I think the Eagles perhaps get exposed by the Niners, certainly Cowboys minus two and a half, if that's the case, gets to three, maybe even past the key number there. So give me the Cowboys. Give me, I've been on the island holding the flaming sword, the Jon Snow up against all the Eagles fans all year. So I mean, just go twice in on them. DeBondo, I know you're with me on this one, right? Dallas minus two and a half next week. Yep, uh, had the spot circle as well. Uh, it's an also another brutal situation for the Eagles. I mean, the NFL kind of screwed the Eagles here with these matchups, right? They get the Chiefs, Bills, the Niners, and the Cowboys in four straight games. Not only that, but the Bills came in pretty well rested. The Niners are going to play on 10 days rest here against the Eagles this Sunday. And then the Cowboys play Thursday night, so they're going to get 10 days as well. Yeah. And we, we can go back and look. I mean, you know, the week after you play San Francisco has generally not been kind to teams in the past. So certainly something to watch, how physical the Niners are, how many plays are they on the field this week? I mean, if they have to play another 90 plays or something of that crazy nature, uh, it could get pretty dicey for this defense. So yeah, absolutely love Dallas. Think 
I agree that Prescott's playing at an MVP level. The problem with him getting the MVP now is the Eagles are going to probably win the division. So uh, <laughs> it's hard for Dak to make that case uh, if they finish tied and, and Philly gets the tiebreaker, which I do think is the most likely outcome. So uh, yeah, I like Dallas as well and think that uh, the Eagles come down to earth a little bit, but still, I mean, we're setting up for a really fun three-way playoff race. Absolutely. It looks, looks a lot of fun. Dallas minus two and a half next week on the look ahead. That will do it for the Action Network podcast for our week 13 NFL Best Bets episode presented by BetMGM. If you missed the full betting preview, the six-pack with Raybon and Stucky, that episode is now out, and you can tune in for the weekly recap episode Monday morning with Jill Gallant, Evan Abrams. I make the hot read on there as well. Don't forget to download the free award-winning Action Network app to see all the picks. Track your picks there yourself as well, the must-have app. And don't forget about the Action Network Discord server to chop it up with experts and fellow gamblers while you're watching the games. Best of luck on all your bets this weekend. We'll see you here next time on the Action Network podcast presented by BetMGM. Action Network reminds you, please gamble responsibly. If you or someone you care about has a gambling problem, help is available 24-7 at 1-800-GAMBLER.